0: Welcome back to another Youth Centered podcast. This is the 13th one in the year 2000. Uh, and this week uh, we're going to be talking about, we're going to title this actually, uh, Build It and They Will Come, uh, the journey to build the Youth Center um, in the years 1993 to 2000. Uh, as we talked in a previous podcast, um, our program started in 1988. And in the first five years, we built up this program and then after having major successes in the year 1993 we made a commitment that we wanted to build a youth center my guest today is a uh the myth the legend uh pete breen from north andover he's been born and raised and lived his entire life in north andover and very very involved with the actual construction of, of the North interview center and still is involved as one of our council members. So first of all, Pete, thanks for coming on the podcast and how about letting people know who you are that may not know. Obviously our town changes constantly. We have new people moving in for people that have been here for decades. Obviously they know the name Pete Breen and the Breen family, but who is Pete Breen?
1: So as you said, Rick, uh, I'm Peter Breen and I grew up less than half a mile from here with uh, nine brothers and sisters and my father was actually the first person that ever signed up to go to Merrimack College so I grew up right here at the old center and had an awesome life growing up in the 60s and 70s and uh, right here sledding down Johnson Street playing basketball here going to dances at the barn, uh, roller skating at the barn swimming at Stevie's Pond. just a great place to grow up great place to grow, grow, have your family grow I was fortunate enough to have a Nice upbringing here, and I was fortunate enough to meet my wife, Kerry, another Kerry f- Long from North Andover, the luckiest day of my life.
0: Absolutely. Kerry um, is an amazing woman uh, to be with you as long as she has. Uh, she is incredible.
1: 42 years and five kids and six grandchildren. And my son, Tim, bought my mother's house right up on Lorraine Ave, and my daughter, Lindsay, lives less than half a mile away, and my three daughters are teachers and my two sons, Travis and Tim, work for me, so I'm pretty lucky.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's uh, the, the Breen family has been very involved with us. All of Pete's five kids have been actively, actively involved with the youth center when they grew up here, and uh, I'm sure we're going to see his, his grandchildren here at some point in time too. So i um, going to move real quick in terms of, uh, like I said, 1988 to 1993. We were very busy in establishing this program, Uh, and kind of bursting at the seams. We literally ran programs out of 18 different facilities in town the first five years. We were in the red barn. We were in the thrift shop. We were in the middle school, the high school, the library. Um, We were even in the unheated red hut down at Grogan's Park. Um, We were basically anywhere we could run a program, the police station, the Kachikwit Lodge, um, and as I was growing the program, I was working with my board and just said we kind of need a home for all this stuff. So after legitimizing our program and becoming a full department in the year 1993, our council at that time, I had met Pete um, probably in 1990, and um, as, uh, as around 1993 came around, the council had decided that it was time to build a, build a youth center. So first thing was we got a number of people involved that wanted to help. Um, Quite frankly, we had wonderful volunteers, but we didn't really have a strong, what I would consider business plan, marketing plan, of how we were gonna get this done. So our first few fundraisers literally were bake sales. Um, We started our walk for youth at that point to raise a little bit of money, but we weren't raising the big time money. Um, So in about 91, 92, we brought on three people that became very instrumental along with Pete and others. Uh, to build this building. That was Terry Price, uh, Jack Shaw, and obviously Tom and Pam Burkhart. Um And they came in after building their own businesses and being very successful in their own lives, came in with a real marketing plan of how we were going to actually do this. And um, the first thing was to see if we get some town commitment um, as well as to start to go after what we consider some big money people in town or big businesses in town. Um, in the first couple of years, it was not... Very easy, raising money and getting commitment. And Pete, you want to talk a little bit about the, the first couple of years in terms of how people felt about this and uh, leading up to we were rejected one year at a town meeting for an override, and then leading up to what we considered our first real success in 1997, where an override was passed and $975,000 was given to this project.
1: So, first of all, I got to go back a little bit. I met Gorman after Joe Walsh, who had hired him. Uh, said that he was this great guy. I thought he was going to be like 8 feet tall. He's only 5'10 or something. But he couldn't play basketball at all. J.N. right and I ran him through some drills, and he's a pretty acceptable guy now. But So right away he was begging for a building, even though he just got the job. And, you know, we were talking about maybe someday doing it. Um, I knew it was a lot of money, and we thought we could do it with volunteers. But we had about two-thirds of the town that really wanted it, and maybe a third didn't. But we had... Uh, like Rick said, he was running programs out of every place. Uh, a lot of good workers, Kelly Crimmins and Rick and oh, hundreds, hundreds of people I can think of but that uh, made it go. I mean, the kids loved it, whether it was safe rides at night or you know, uh, NBA or whatever it was. But all my kids worked here. and uh, But uh, we, we decided to, that we could get a youth center, but the town really didn't jump on board. And like Rick said, with the first go around, they voted us down.
0: Yeah, and um, the big thing with working with, and I'll call them the big three, Terry, Jack, and and Tom, was that for us to raise serious money from residents or businesses, they would need to first see commitment from the town. So we worked uh, endless hours to try to convince, at that time, not only our residents, but the Board of Selectmen, the Finance Committee, and... um, We really did a great job in kind of really pushing this through. And then in 1997, um, in that town meeting, we actually got up. You were one of the passionate speakers. It was great. We had some senior citizens get up and support the project. And after being um, shut down two years earlier in '95. Uh, 97 we actually passed and the 975,000 was put into the project. At this point we had estimated the project was going to cost about 2.5 million. So at that point in time, um, the big three actually were able to go to people to actually um, solicit money and basically show the town was committed. and that kind of got the ball rolling incredibly. I mean, I was involved with a number of meetings. Um, we had some anonymous donations. We had a sponsorship program where you could buy a room at the youth center. Um, the famous Six Amigos bought the gymnasium for $250,000. And Ronald McDonald House bought the, which is now our gaming computer room. And all around the building, the different rooms were sold. So at that point in time, we started to make some serious money. So um, let's talk quickly. In, uh, after the town meeting, Pete, um, and again, you did a great job in getting that passed in 97 in november of 97 we actually selected our um our architect for the program now you would we had talked a little bit about steve foster who's now our facilities manager in town here he did a lot of volunteer work for us um in getting it but now we needed to hire an architect and we hired uh bogman hendry and archetype you want to take us through that a little bit pete
1: yeah so just to go back a little bit we also you know there was a lot of other people that were donating like whether it was $200, $500, $10, two hundred, five hundred, ten dollars. Like the town really stepped up as as we all know North Hanover, if someone needs it, they give. And that's always been the greatest thing about this town, whether it was, you know, Barry Humphreys donating his time or um anyone that's just they donate whatever you need. And, you know, so there were a lot of little people, whether it was Chuck Leet's twenty five thousand or more all the time, or the weather all's kicking in so much and it was just uh, a great thing, and it, it started to snowball after years of just kind of treading water, like Rick said. And we had had different architects that were volunteered with Steve before to come up with some, some plans to go to um, you know the town with. And so we had worked for a long time previous to that, just trying to get an idea of what we wanted. So Steve Foster and I went to the middle school, and we measured the gym, and we knew we wanted a full-size gym. And it was one of the, you know, we could just barely fit. We couldn't fit any bigger building on the, on the site at that time. And we were working in the historic district, so there was a lot of restrictions there that we had to make it look the way it was. So we had hired uh, Joel Bogman, who was a great guy and a good architect, and we basically told him that we wanted a barn and, uh, you know, so it would actually fit in. So he went around uh, New England and came up with different barn looks and then the outbuilding, which is Rick's office building. But Steve Foster spent thousands of hours. This never could have happened without him, and uh, but it was uh, a learning experience. Also working with uh, you know a commercial project like that, but it was he was a great architect to work with, and Steve was invaluable.
0: Yeah, Joel Joel was great to work with, and one of the things I was most impressed with working with Joel and his company is, and we he's actually built youth centers since our youth center, uh, but we were actually the first youth center that that he had actually built. He had built some pavilion stuff, he had built some, you know, rec centers that were a little bit different than a municipal youth center, uh, but the best thing about Joel was he actually met with all different constituents in town, and I can remember him sitting in, in the old red barn with 25 middle school and high school kids, and he was basically saying to them, what are you looking to have, what, what would you need, or whatever, and he spent, and his company spent endless amount of hours, you know, meeting with people on what we really wanted to do, so as you touched in a little bit, Pete, um, you know, what's the, the Historical District Commission, I don't think people really even know what it really is in this area. How much of a how much was a problem was that for us being in the historical district commission?
1: Well, just the fact to change any building in the historic district, which actually splits the the barn in half where we are now. So the court and part of the building is not in the historic district, but even to change the color of your house you have to go to the board and George Sharenda was the head of the board at that time of the Historical District, and he worked with us, but there, were, there was quite a lot of uh, criteria to meet. And uh, Joel worked with them, and they, they liked the concept. This wasn't the first go-round. We had many, but, you know, with the block and the, and the barn look with the colors and everything else like that, and it, uh, it worked out good. You know, they were great to work with, and, um, and without them it w- wouldn't have happened either.
0: For sure. One thing we uh, failed to talk about is a little bit is when we finally um, uh, decided on this site. And remember, this wasn't the only site we originally looked at. Um, We looked at the building next to the high school, which is now homegrown lacrosse, as well as some other businesses. We looked at Stevens Estate, um, which the town had purchased. That didn't really meet the town's needs by having a youth center up there. We actually looked at Willow's Tennis Racket Club on 114, which was for sale at the time, um, which would have been a nice facility, but having kids cross for 114 and kids getting there was a major issue for it. So when we settled on the old center, um, the community center incorporated actually owned the old red barn and with the white building, which is the thrift shop. Um, and we had to work with them. And Pete, you were involved with the negotiations with that committee. Good group of guys, um, the older guys, some of them have actually passed on, uh, but we were in negotiations with them for about a year, and uh, they ultimately um, gave us the building uh, and the town land uh, for us to actually do that. What was that like getting the Community cent Inc. on board with this project?
1: Well, it was a little bit hard because they, they had uh, owned the building for quite some time, and it was, it was kind of the youth services before. With Mrs. Elliot ran it and did all sorts of volunteer work, but um, my father was actually president of the community center back in the early '60s, so it was always a, a history given to the community. So it was kind of a no-brainer for that for that to happen. But it, they also didn't jump on board of the youth center right away, and the thrift shop was there, and they were afraid they wouldn't have a spot. So we ended, we ended up uh, getting the thrift shop a new building down on Sutton Street. And that
0: worked out good for them, actually. Right. So as we got the first amount of money for the town, we were very ambitious, and and Terry, um, Jack, and and Tom were right on with this. Once the town made a financial commitment to building a youth center, raising the rest of the money was actually easier than we thought. So, uh, you mentioned the Weatherall family; they made um, the um, the biggest amount of donation. Uh, to the project. Um, and then other people chipped in, and it was everything from people chipping in $100 to chipping in $50,000. And we were actually able to get the building uh, pretty much money raised as we were working with Joe Bargman um, to design the building. And, uh, you know, through the years 98, um, we actually worked with, as Pete talked about, with the, facility, the feasibility study design, the, the permitting, which was with the Historical Commission, planning conservation, uh, and then in May 1999, we obviously finalized construction documents and plans. Uh, we did that transfer of the community center incorporated to the town with the, the site, so we could have it. And then we had to um, we had to relocate our existing offices. Pete and uh, uh, it was Pete's idea to put me, Kelly. Um, Few of our other staff that we had at the time, and uh, we were put in a construction trailer where Drummond Playground actually is right now. How did that come about, Pete? How did I end up in a construction trailer?
1: Well, they saw that no one was using playing shuffleboard anymore, so I figured that was a good place to put you on the <laughs> shuffleboard court. But uh, well, I thought it would be better there than putting it somewhere else. At least you should keep your eyes on the construction of it and still have a home right there at the old center. And as I said before, growing up at the old center, I'm fiercely loyal to the area. And I kind of still consider it mine, and I really didn't want Rick to go to Grogan's or anything like that while the construction was going on.
0: So um, as we decided to move, we moved in, um, it was basically July 1999. We moved into the construction trailer, and then you began the demolition. And this is something that, you know, you wouldn't be able to do in the year 2019. 1999 was a bit different. Um, There was a lot of opportunity with this project that, free labor, volunteer labor could be used for it. And you were involved along with another person that you want to talk about that actually was involved with um, basically taking down the old two buildings. You want to talk a little about that?
1: Yeah, so we got the permit to take it down because the the estimate to take it down was well under the 300,000 to take the two buildings down. So we took uh, the bond down. Billy Thompson from uh, Northside up on Holt Road and then uh, Scott Emerson from over at, Wheelabrator. Wheelabrator, was, you know, instrumental in doing this. So, you know, Billy did it all for nothing, brought his machines, his trucks, and it was a big, big project, uh, you know, hauled away hundreds and hundreds of yards of demo and no cost at all. The Thompson family, they, they live in North Annabelle, but greatly appreciated, you know, to do all that. And I, had, I only had to mention it, and Billy said we're there. And it was
0: great. Yeah, I mean, it was was great that his family helped us out with that. And then you did what I would consider some preliminary site work before we actually engaged um, with the bidding process um, to hire the contractor. And we did hire a contractor. GVW was the uh, group that actually won the bid on that. And uh, can you tell us a little bit about that, Pete?
1: Yeah, so again, we were lucky enough to be able to do the erosion control and a few trees that we had to cut. But... uh, George was good to work with, you know, the, the bid process is kind of a different thing if you've just built a house and never been involved with uh, prevailing wage. So when the job started, we uh, immediately hit unsuitable material, and we had a contingency of like under 200000 Well, we would have gone over that right away because we had to ha- take out 12 or 15 feet of unsuitable material in the backside under the gym. So we were able to, uh, I worked a deal with him that I could, He'll dig it, I'd haul it out. And you know it saved us uh, quite a lot of money, kept the project on track. So he was good to work with. A lot of people wouldn't have done that, otherwise we would have been stopped. But going about uh, the timeline there, as we were getting ready to get started, the Andover came over and they wanted to see how we were doing, You know how we did it. and. Uh, that kinda of blew us up. Selectman
0: off. Larson was the outspoken person oh, yeah. from Andover. What do
1: you say that he'd have it done? Uh, I we
0: use this quote a lot. Selectman Larson at this point in time is no longer a selectman in Andover, but he is a uh, he's a therapist. Um he's used to have an article in the Eagle Tribune, but he came over and basically you know, looked at the building and looked what we were planning on doing the building and just said, Well, this is nice, but in Andover we will build it bigger and we will build it faster. Well, I'm, I'm happy to announce that in the year 19, uh, 2017, uh, the construction of the Andover Youth Services started. So that was built uh, 18 years later. Their building is a tad bigger than ours, um, but um, they kind of had a little bit of a cockiness that uh, they would, and this goes back, as, as people know, a little bit of a rivalry between Andover and North Andover. But um, they obviously wanted to have something like that we had, So, but we were the first.
1: Yeah, so being right here as in the, in the old center, as you guys drive by and see how happy it is to have all the kids here and, you know, not hidden behind uh, the town offices or something like that, it's, it's right where where you want your kids to be, and North Annabelle has always had that history given, and I'm sure it's going to continue.
0: Well, we broke ground in the late summer of uh, 1999. I'll never forget Chris Pybus and Matt Rock and a number of kids at that point who are all 35 years old now or so, um, they, uh, they came down when the building was being torn down and with tears in their eyes. And I think each one of them grabbed a piece of the old red barn and someone grabbed the and basketball sign. And uh, as they saw the new plans coming and what we did. So as we broke ground and started the process, we were still not done with the financial raising of money. So the building itself was $2.5 million. Uh, And then we needed to outfit the building, about around $300,000. So we were a bit short. We worked hard. And then came along David Teresi. Most people in town know David as uh, now a school committee person. But back then, David was our state rep or senator, Pete? Rep, Rep, I think, right? state State rep. rep. And uh, we had talked about um, looking at the naming of the building. Um, And uh, it was decided that Joe Herman, who had uh, David's seat before him or a few years before him, Um, and we worked with the state on that. And David was very instrumental in working with uh, the state government in terms of getting us $300,000. That last $300,000 put us over the top. Obviously, I will be forever grateful for the work that David did with that, as well as his fellow politicians. Uh, And at the time, uh, the group had decided, the committee had decided, that the name of the building would be the Joseph N. Herman Youth Center. Remember those days, Pete?
1: Yeah, well, I grew up and uh, playing, well, Neil Neil Herman, Joe's son, is older than me, so I grew up watching him and then playing with him. But Joe was a great guy involved in North Andover, and he actually worked with my father at the revenue department. So we had a long history of that, and we thought, you know, it would be a good guy to name it after he, and uh, and it was great that David, he was, David was on uh, town meeting floor before that, fighting for the uh, the youth center back uh, the original time when we lost, so he was a good ally for us right along, still is, big help.
0: Absolutely. So, uh, the year of uh, basically August 1999 to July 2000, as I was operating in a construction trailer, which was difficult in the the heavy snows that winter, but I got to watch the building being built from scratch and uh, got to know all of our Construction people really well and saw this thing, you know, raise up to uh, the point where we're actually open it. That last year, we were hustling, our, our committee was working on procuring equipment, um, you know, what we were going to outfit it with. Um, we did have some uh, tough weather conditions in the winter and didn't really slow anything up, but um, it was about a year that it took the construction to get done, and we, we technically opened on July 20th, 2000. Um, Pete, let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, we had those construction meetings every week, so Joel Bargman's office was there, GVW people, you, Steve Foster, you. Uh, Bill Scott and the people from the town. Um, can you talk a little bit about how everybody worked together to get that project done during the construction year?
1: Yeah, it was a great group. Uh, Pam Burkhart, she was huge, and uh, Dave Therese, I mean David uh, Galesian So we met every week, and it was uh, Bill Scott, the acting. Uh, he was planner. a community development director at the yeah, time. And Bob Naceta. So they they worked great, and of course it's different, like I said, with the bid process, but. We wanted to, uh, the one thing I remember that going in gyms that were dark and dingy, whether you, you know, you all travel around to your kids' basketball games, and I said, we've got to make sure it's well lit so we got the windows. And then I remember going in the gym, and the, you couldn't you couldn't look in unless you opened the door. Then, so I said, why don't we uh, make it like a hockey rink? Let's have glass. So we ended up doing that, and Joel thought that was a great idea. And uh, But he was awesome to work with, and Steve Foster, just is like technical beyond belief. But it was we got just about everything we wanted. Obviously, we would have gone bigger if we could, and I think we found a little way to put an addition on uh, that we're going to look forward to in the future.
0: Yeah, and let's talk about a few of the people. So you mentioned Bill Scott. Bill Scott was our community development director at the time. He kind of oversaw the project. Um, um, I think Bill's in Salem, New Hampshire still right now. He left us a few years after that. Um, another person that was instrumental, he's no longer with us, um, Bob Nestetta was the building inspector. And back then the building inspector was allowed to be pretty much our, what your position do you call it? Clerk of the works yeah, or he whatever. Was a clerk, um, and Bob was just, if you knew Bob, Bob was a guy that, you know, I would walk around there at eight o'clock on a Sunday morning and you'd find Bob walking around the building, checking on what they've done. And he was very instrumental with holding the construction company accountable on things. And, uh, you know, we were very appreciative of the amount of hours that he spent on that construction site. He obviously wasn't getting paid for all of it, um, but he was passionate about uh, doing something for the kids on that. Um, you've mentioned many times Steve Foster, and I can't impress upon that, you know, how important Steve was to that. Um, you know, it, Pam Burke and Dave Gallegian, who you just remembered, were actually in charge of the procurement committee. So they were involved with going out and you know, purchasing furniture and making sure everything in the building looked great or whatever so let's talk a little bit in the building you were instrumental um, with that whole glass concept and the lighting concept so one of the biggest compliments we get almost on a weekly basis especially in the fall time when we run that fall basketball league where teams come from out of town uh, they're blown away with the aesthetics of our gymnasium um, And uh, I think it was really important for you, um, the visibility stuff that you were talking about, as well as the lighting. Um, We also have other things that are pretty interesting, like the bond doors, um, which can be open in the summer. Um, If you drive by and you don't know that's the gymnasium, um, in the summertime you drive by, you see those doors open, and it's actually a gym that's not hard to be in when it's 90 degrees. So how about some of those aesthetic things that you were really passionate about?
1: Well, so growing up, I always, you know, like most of us that are older, we were able to play without a lot of parental involvement, so I always thought that, you know, the youth center could be like that without coaches and everything else where the kids could just be and have fun. Well, if the gym was closed up, you know, all those kids that are in the hallway couldn't really see what was going on in the gym, but being in the hallway of the gym, it's the same thing. They all feel included, and I I played hockey and, you know, spent a lot of time in rinks, so it was like. You know, why, why don't we do it like that make it a hockey rink type atmosphere and it was uh, worked out good Joel uh, had never done that before but it worked worked out really well and he did that nice wood accent in there and uh, it's beautiful and um, I don't know what Rick said but you know we've, he got numerous awards for design of that building you
0: know? yeah Joel actually won some architectural designs for it um, we have a nice plaque that they won we were featured in uh, two different architectural design magazines. Uh, for the design work of it. Um, and we actually won a state award for, um, not actually sure what the title was, but it was basically for design work on that. So uh, if you go to Joel's uh, website with his company now, he, he still has us as the first use center, He still has a picture of the original building um, when we first opened up, which was, which was pretty cool. So on July 20th, we opened for the kids. Um, we had a lot of site work that still had to be done outside. Um, Pete, I want to talk a little bit about because you're such a humble guy. Um, Pete was instrumental in in creating what ended up being the basketball court and the bowl shape in the back. Uh, one of the criteria of us building on the site was to replace the basketball court that had always existed there and we've always had all of us had always played at so that was actually not part of the construction money we raised so Pete spent endless amount of hours with his company uh the donation amount of money that uh, Pete gave us is amazing to construct the outside basketball court in the bowl shape that it was what was your what was your idea of that whole concept
1: well you know like going back to watching stuff with the kids I thought if you were playing out there, then the kids could just sit on the field, on the hill there and act like an amphitheater thing, which it actually acts like because uh, if you talk there, it reflects off the hill and the uh, and the building. Uh, I know Rick uses it for summer fun, like to communicate with the kids real easy there. And but I, you know, growing up there playing, there was always you know, ten, fifteen people deep deep waiting to get on and. Uh, it just thought it'd be good, and but the court, I, I the one thing that growing up there, I knew there was a water problem with the water coming down the hill. You know, we spent hours and hours shoveling and picking ice, whether it was Pibuses or my Carter or my brothers or the, anybody like that. McIntyre's, you know, we the town didn't shovel it, so we had to shovel it. But the water came down, and so we were able enough uh, fortunate to uh, be able to put drainage in there and. Uh, Keep it dry and then rick got the surface done and uh, i think heffron
0: yeah heffron's company no longer owns the company but again probably couldn't do this in the year 2019 but that was their volunteer they ended up uh, resurfacing it and putting up and we we actually bought the the stanchions and the basketball hoops Uh, the same thing took place when we built the on the back end the skateboard park which is now our street hockey rink Um, that was built with a number of different volunteer people that actually got that going. So it was just a total community effort to uh, to put this up. Um, uh, I give big shout out to Chris Donner and Donner Brothers Landscaping who has maintained our building since the construction and since we opened up. Uh, Chris was responsible for planting all the bushes and the trees. Uh, obviously, now he makes sure our grass is cut constantly. But he he had a great Um, idea of how he wanted to make the landscaping look and um, I am proud to say I think I think our building is one of the best kept uh, buildings in town in terms of landscaping Um, so it took you know that first year everything kind of grew in and it's amazing to see the height of the trees now After we've been here you know almost 20 years Um, so it's uh, hard
1: to believe that out of Chris's whole project only one tree needed replacement I mean those sugar maples were like you know, if you go by anybody that goes by that building in the fall, there's nothing like it. You know, just gorgeous, and he keeps it uh, perfect all the time. But it's just another example of, you know, you, you could list hundreds and hundreds of people, whether it's five dollars or five hundred, or you know, those the the weather walls. You don't. Even, I don't even want to say what they donated, hundreds of thousands. But it's, you know, uh, everybody. No, at the end of always giving back, and you just gotta, you gotta do it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was an amazing community project. and So let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, 19 years in. um, This July 20th will be 19 years that we've been open. Uh, We're also now feeling um, that the building is too small for some of our needs. So we have been in an an ongoing discussion. Um, Andrew Mailer has been very supportive of of having a long-range plan for us to do some renovation expansion in the year 2022. Uh, I'm fully confident that his successor will continue the the plan that we have for that. And we're looking to either expand the building a little bit off of our back end. Uh, You and I and others are working diligently to see what we can do off the building. Um, We have a need to kind of move our education, our music, and our arts programs um, that are bursting at the seams away from more of the recreational piece of that. So we're hoping we're going to be able to build a little bit off the building on the need, which will be the the first expansion in 20 years. And um, so we're excited about that. Over the next couple of years, we'll have final plans and hopefully in the fiscal year 2022, we'll be able to, to continue on that expansion slash renovation of the building on that. So... Anything you want to say on that piece, Pete? Because I know you're starting to work on the the second stage of this. So
1: I just, just dug out the plans, and they're stamped, uh, accepted May 1999, the original plan. So we're looking at those. And uh, I think keeping with the concept of the barn, and uh, we can stick it like an outbuilding out there and fit in with the initial concept, and Rick can get some more room here. and. I think uh, the town will work with us on that. But, you know, again, we're going to need a lot of volunteers for that to happen.
0: Yeah, and the town has made a financial commitment to help with that. But obviously the Joseph and Herman Youth Center, Inc., which has stayed in existence since the day we turned the building over to the town. Uh, and they've been raising money every year. we got our big auction coming up on March 30th, which I hope folks will all be there um so we'll have some some financial support for them in terms of looking at the future of this building too so it's um it's been the most amazing project that i've been in Uh, i've been been involved with a number of different building projects in town but passionately this is obviously the biggest one for me and to see how we went from basically a one room outfit to an 18,000 square foot building on 4.6 acres of land and what we've done is great and uh As I start to think about winding down my career, it's going to be great to see um, what the building's going to look with some of our expansion stuff. So there's some many, many people, as we've talked about today, this could not have happened without all of those people we mentioned, but it would not have happened without the support of the town of North Andover. So we can't name everybody that was involved with donating even $10 or being sounding boards or even those people that valiantly got – I remember those senior citizens who – we're fighting obviously for some of their own buildings. And remember, a nice guy got up there, he was probably 80 something years old, and just said, uh, We need to do this for the kids because kids are important for us in North Andover. So, you know, I thank obviously everybody. Uh, you know, Pete, you were very instrumental in this. And uh, I know as your career is winding down, that this will be fun um, for you to continue to, you know, go to our stage too. And then I guess then we can ride off into the sunset.
1: Yeah. Well, it's. It's been a long time, but I can remember every year i go to town meeting and say 30-year resident in North Andover, or 40-year, or now a 65-year resident in North Andover. But it doesn't matter what you're doing. You can always just volunteer, never say no, no matter what. And get your kids involved right away, you know, because uh, it's important. The stuff that you do, little stuff. I know we're all busy with games and lacrosse and track and football and baseball and everything else. But... Even that five minutes or half an hour you can do, like even come down and whether whether it's at the youth center or any place in town or any place in the world, just volunteer and uh, just never say no. Just uh, give what you can. It doesn't have to be monetary, but just uh, volunteer.
0: And folks need to be proud of this building. We kidded a little bit about our, our peers in Andover, um, but we are looked at as the prototypical municipal youth center. We have consulted with over 30 different communities over the last uh, 20 years. Um, people continue to seek us out. Um, most people, when they come here, want to want to basically have what we have. Um, I spend a lot of time telling them that you can't get what we have just yet. You got to start somewhere, and and how how we started. But um, the amazing thing is, not only did our board think this was an important thing, but. We got the community rallied around, and we had we were resilient. We had peaks and valleys. I'll be honest with you. Um, as I looked through last night the the newspaper clippings that we've had, um, you know, you saw kids heartbroken about the building not being done, and those same kids overjoyed when it did get passed uh, in the late '90s. And it was just a really great community project. Um, and uh, as I went over to Andover's open house uh, a year and a half ago, and to saw their opening brought back a lot of great memories for me, and I'm happy, obviously, for uh, Bill Fahey and all the kids in Andover that also have a youth center now. So, um, Pete, we're going to give you, as we're winding down this podcast, uh, we always like to give our guest a final word. Uh, what would you like to say to our residents when it comes to the youth center construction or just the youth center in general?
1: Well, the building's great, but it's the people that are here, whether it's the kids working and volunteering or summer fun, or all the different projects, like I, when I originally started that the, re- the reason this was easy is because we had the, had Rick, we had the program, the programs, and, uh, you know, as I, when I'm working around the area, whether it's BoxFit or other towns, you know, they ask how you did it, and I said, well, you got to get, you know, the, pro- the the project going first, but it's not the uh, building that makes it. You got to, you can work out of any building. It could be the general store, but you have to have, you know, uh, the right people that want to help kids, and, you know, we were very fortunate I hate to give Gorman Gorman any compliment, but we were fortunate enough that he came and stayed. And, you know, whether it's uh, Kelly or now Demi or all the other kids that work here, it's just, uh, it's great to work. But, you know, I know you guys are busy and you drop your kids off and pick them up. But some Friday, just come in and see, you know, the hundreds when there's two or three hundred kids in here, how it works like a machine. And I mean, it's not for everybody, but they they try to uh, have projects and, you know, things for every kid if you... No matter whether you're uh, the biggest jock or not an athlete at all, you can always find something to do here.
0: Yeah, and uh, that's true. Well said, Pete. And again, um, obviously, this project uh, doesn't happen without all those people. Um, the big three, the the six amigos that we talk about, um, big Peter Breen, um, they actually, I don't get this project done for the kids in North Andover and for my plans without their uh, assistance over the years. So it's just been an amazing, amazing run, an amazing journey, but we're not done yet. So hopefully um, we're going to see for the new generation um, even a bigger uh, or at least an expansion of our youth center. So when next time when you drive down Johnson Street, And you think about, wow, that's a pretty cool building they got up there. It aesthetically looks good. looks like the kids are having fun. I want you to think about this podcast and how much really went into doing this. Because as I tell the kids who come here now as 12-year-old kids, um, that we didn't always have a youth center. And uh, Jenna Sidere, who's on my board of directors now, who actually was a high school worker the year that I was in the construction trailer, um, you know, she's seeing it now for her kids and she know, she remembers what we were before we had the building. And, uh, we continue to try to do great things for this community. So Pete, thanks for coming on the podcast. Um, this concludes the podcast on, uh, the construction of the youth center. We got some other great podcasts coming up in the next couple of weeks. We're trying to do one every week. We've had a couple that we've done uh, a couple of weeks. Um, but we'll be back next week with a few more. We have, um, some great people coming in. If you have ideas for a future podcast, uh, make sure you let us know. If you yourself would want to come on the podcast to talk about something you're doing great in North Andover, particularly for youth, um, get in touch with me and we'll we'll definitely make that happen. So thanks again to Pete. Thanks again to all of our listeners. And as we always conclude every uh, podcast, we always say too much passion is never enough passion.